the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Lakers Tonight is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds in markets for the NBA, NHL, college, and so much more. It's America's number one sportsbook. It's super easy to use. Plus, you can combine multiple bets from the same game into a same-game parlay. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code JasonT so they know I sent you. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here on The Volume. I am Jason Timp. Happy Monday, everybody. I sincerely appreciate you all coming to hang out and talk some basketball with me. We are going to start with the Lakers tonight, but we are also going to get to the Brooklyn Nets 
demolishing the Utah Jazz, who are frauds, as I always say. We're going to get to the uh, Timberwolves finally playing against a good basketball team that has all their stars and that resulting in a loss. And then we're going to get into our power rankings this week's Timp's top 10. So I sincerely appreciate you guys coming to hang out. Let's get started with the Lakers. So this is starting to look a little bit like a good basketball team. They have fixed their offense. The Lakers have an offensive rating of 126 points per 100 possessions in their last three games, which ranks third in the league. In a few minutes, I want to get into why I think that's the case, because I think it's an interesting example of scheming, which is something that has been a huge pet peeve of mine with the Lakers over the course of the last few seasons. But I wanted to start with LeBron because, you know, as LeBron fans would tell you, I've been very critical of him over the course of the last uh, like month or so. And it's because I hold LeBron to a very high standard because I think he's potentially the greatest basketball player to ever play the game because I throw his name around in conversations about who's the best player in the league. And I think there's a, a list of expectations that come with that. And after the all-star break, he came out and looked like a guy who didn't believe in this team and, and, and just essentially didn't provide the necessary effort for the Lakers to be competitive. Well, over this last stretch of games, he is 1,000% dialed back in. He is bought back into everything the team needs him to do. I think a huge part of it has been a little bit less of him at the center for stretches of the game, so he doesn't have as difficult of a defensive job. But at the end of the day, at the center position, when he's engaged and he's actually doing his job defensively, that's when this team is at their best. He had an absolutely vintage dunk. It was hilarious. I, I, I got into the game a little bit late because it was such an early start. And I was fast forwarding like little 10 second increments as I was trying to work up through the game. And I skipped ahead right as he was at the top of his dunk, like literally extended over the top of Kevin Love. And I was like, hold up, something crazy is about to happen. And I rewind and I saw the dunk. It's absolutely wild to me that he can make a play that athletic in his 19th season at age 37. That is, he is a, uh, the greatest example of athletic longevity that I can remember seeing in my time following sports. That was one hell of a vintage highlight. But to make a long story short, LeBron's recent surge is perimeter shooting coming together, but a big part of it is him making a concerted effort to get to the rim. The Cleveland Cavaliers are one of the best interior defenses in the league. I've laid this out on the show before. They block a ton of shots, they have a ton of size, and their length will bother you around the rim. Now, some of this was LeBron taking advantage of Evan Mobley when he was off the floor, but a lot of it was just their five-out system. LeBron killed the Cavs inside. Laurie Markkinen could not handle him on his drives to the basket, and that was the fulcrum for so much of what they did offensively. So much of what this whole team has done offensively over the course of the last three games has to do with LeBron making a concerted effort to get in the paint. I was talking about this with some of my family as I was family and friends as I was watching the U of A get their big comeback win uh, last night over TCU. Like there is no such thing as bad rim pressure. If you get into the basket and you attempt shots around the rim, even if you miss them, they have the a positive effect that comes from rim pressure. So, for instance, last night the uh, TCU guards kept getting into the rim and Christian Coloco had to step over and try to block shots and it kept and TCU was getting offensive rebound putbacks. 
a huge part of what is making this offense work for the Lakers is LeBron putting in the work it takes. Because it takes a lot of work. When, when, when everyone says, like, hey, why doesn't LeBron drive to the basket every time? Because it's exhausting. That's why he doesn't do it every time. But he's making a much more concerted effort to apply more rim pressure as of late, and that is opening everything up for this team. In addition to that, he's shooting like 40% from three on like nine attempts over the course of the last couple of weeks. That's a huge part of it too. He's got it working at every level of the game. He made a bunch of mid-range jump shots today. That little fadeaway over his right shoulder as he drifts through the lane as he's snaking the pick and roll is turning into one of his go-to moves. And he's, he's just got it all working on all cylinders right now. He is a testament to the the ability that that basketball IQ can replace basketball IQ and skill development can replace waning athleticism as he's aged as his athleticism has fallen off he has replaced that with remarkable skill and shot making and he understands the angles and the approach to offense so well at this phase in his career it's like he's a step ahead of everyone else on the court. For those of you who are just joining us, this is Hoops Tonight presented by FanDuel here on The Volume. I wanted to move on to Russ for a second. I have some positive things to say about Russ. You know, Russ has a ton of bad that comes with him that's never going to go away. He's going to drift in and out focus defensively. He like Even though he played mostly good against the Wizards a couple nights ago, there were a bunch of these like key possessions where he made mistakes. That I don't think is ever going to go away. We have too much evidence of the kind of guy that Russ is on the basketball court and where his head's at when he's out there for us to expect some sort of massive change from him. But as is the case with most guys like this, and Russ isn't the only guy like this in the league, there are guys that I call good play, bad play guys. They're players where they bring a lot of good, but they also bring a lot of bad. And so whether or not they impact winning has a lot to do with that scale shifting one way or another. Well, as of late, Russ is getting to the rim a lot as well, very similar to that rim pressure concept I was talking about with LeBron. But with his shot selection and his ability to get to the rim, he's slowing himself down. He's starting to make layups that he's usually missed. That has added a scoring element to Russ's game, which is allowing him to create shots for his teammates, spreading the ball out to the perimeter. And now he's starting to make a few more good plays every game. And over this recent stretch, we've tipped into Russ being a positive player which has taken a lot off of what LeBron needs to bring to the table in order for them to win. There for a while, it was like, if LeBron doesn't score 50, the Lakers are going to lose. Well, now it's starting to look a little bit more like a functional basketball team. So I wanted to shout out Russ. I can be very critical of him at times. He's one of my least favorite players in the league. I had a fan ask me on Twitter today, like, hey, does this change your opinion about Russ coming back? Hell no. I want him off the team. I cannot wait to be done with the Russell Westbrook experience. But while he's here, I'm going to compliment him when he plays well, and we might as well try to win a championship while we're at it. So I wanted to shout out Russ. So I wanted to move on to the role players for a second, because this is a huge part of why the offense is where it's at. So LeBron is obviously playing really good offensive basketball of late, but he's been playing really good offensive basketball the vast majority of the season. But coming into this recent stretch, Offense has been a massive problem for the Lakers. They just simply haven't been able to score the basketball. It's certainly not, you know, commensurate to what their talent was. They added all the shooting. They added Malik Monk. They added Carmelo Anthony. They added these guys that were allegedly going to help them on the offensive end of the floor, and none of it materialized. A lot of that had to do with personnel, Frank playing weird combinations of non-shooters with the group. A lot of it had to do with them playing big the entire first part 
of the season. A lot of it is Frank not understanding that in the modern NBA, that five-out basketball is what has success. But in five-out basketball, it's more complicated than just can LeBron get to the basket or can Russ get to the basket. It's the concept of breaking the defense down. So this is where I want to shout out Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves. So if you ask Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves to come down against a set defense and to create a shot for a teammate, they would really struggle in that department. Austin Reeves doesn't have the talent, or excuse me, Austin Reeves doesn't have the physical tools, and Stanley Johnson doesn't have the skill. So those two players are going to struggle with that, that type of role. But if I let those two guys attack a compromised defense, so if Austin Reeves is catching the ball wide open on the wing and a dude is sprinting at him, and the defense is shifted over to the other side of the court, all of a sudden, Austin Reeves is great at making plays in that environment. Same thing goes for Stanley Johnson. So that's where this is so important. There is a, there is a process to running five-out basketball. you got to have somebody at the beginning that can break down the defense and force that first rotation. But then you have to have guys after that first rotation that can continue to further compromise the defense. That's where Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves have been so valuable. LeBron and Russ are playing really good offensive basketball right now to start possessions, and they're going to score a lot of the time, as you've seen. But most of the time, there's going to be help sent their way. And in order for that whole system to work, that second guy who attacks as the defense is compromised, that is the guy that is the key to creating the great shot. And the Lakers are getting great shots as of late. And a lot of it has to do with LeBron and AD, or excuse me, LeBron and Russ at the beginning of the possessions and guys like Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves at the end of possessions, specifically Austin Reeves. I wanted to give him a, a big shout out tonight. He, what he did to start that game offensively is ridiculous. You can tell he's got a whole other set of offensive moves and an offensive repertoire that is beyond what we've even seen with this team. And as of late, He's starting to unleash that little by little. He's very gifted at drawing fouls. He's very gifted at using his body to gain angles and gain position. He's got little floaters and push shots, and he's got the, the passes he was making in that first quarter to open teammates was really, really impressive to me. I have to shout those guys out. They're a huge part of why this offense is humming the way it is, and it's a really, really interesting example of how you can scheme your way around personnel shortcomings just like the Clippers did last year in the playoffs as without Kawhi Leonard they went on that run to the conference finals it was all about scheming around personnel shortcomings they had solid players the Clippers are solid but they didn't have all these stars that were going to go out and create everything but it all just happened it all just worked because Reggie uh, Reggie Jackson and Paul George could make that first defensive rotation and everyone else was just feeding off of that and the Lakers are starting to capture a little bit of that which is something I've been begging for literally for years so it's good to see so the question becomes this is half of the issue right because the Lakers were a bad offensive team and they were a bad defensive team well they had seemed to have fixed their offense those were two of the five best defenses in the east that they just went in and just ran over offensively in this last three-game stretch. The Cavs are the second-best defense in the East, and the Raptors are the fifth-best defense in the East. And the Raptors' defense is a lot more intimidating than the numbers would have shown you because they've dealt with injuries a lot this season. But the Lakers' offense, that seems to be remedied. Anthony Davis is a clean and, 
an easy plug-in to that system. We saw that when he came back from the knee injury. I'm not worried about fitting in Anthony Davis offensively. So you have this other half of the pie here, the defensive end of the floor. The Lakers obviously have to make significant strides on that end of the floor to have any chance of making it out of the play-in and beating Phoenix in the first round. And obviously they have a lot of work to do on that front, but that's where the Anthony Davis potential return makes that a much more achievable outcome. There was issues with personnel earlier in the season where even when those guys were healthy, none of this was working. But now, Avery Bradley's basically out of the rotation. DeAndre Jordan's not even on the roster anymore. Trevor Ariza's not playing anymore. A lot of the guys that were part of that issue aren't around anymore. We've brought in guys like Stanley Johnson, who is a great defensive player. We brought in Austin Reeves, who obviously brings a ton of the uh, Austin Reeves has been around all this this time, but he of late is now a consistent guy in the starting lineup. So that's a big part of it. Wenyan Gabriel raises our athletic profile, so the entire roster now has a little bit more athleticism, a little bit more foot speed with those lineups. So all you got to do is combine this little bit of magic that you've captured here with Anthony Davis coming back and good defensive habits, and you can do this. Again, it's a long shot. I would certainly like their chances a lot more if they didn't have to go through Phoenix in the first round. This is what pisses me off about the way they approach the season. If you're a seven seed or literally anything other than having to roll into Phoenix, then maybe you can weather through these injuries and get your stuff together in the playoff run. But that's not the case. This is They, they, they have to basically beat the team I'm picking to win the championship, the Phoenix Suns, the team I think is clearly the best team in the league. The Lakers are going to have to go through them in the first round. So now it requires perfection. You need to get Anthony Davis back. You need to spend this next month establishing all the habits that you let slip by the wayside this entire season. But the, the most important part of this entire thing that I'm laying out here is it's a realistic outcome now. It was very much not a realistic outcome in the past. Now, even if you want to call it a one in a million, whatever you want to call it, there is a realistic outcome to this Laker team making a run. It's LeBron James being the best player in the world. It's Anthony Davis being Anthony Davis. It's Russell Westbrook being a net positive instead of a net negative. And young, enthusiastic, energetic role players that fit within their scheme, do their jobs, and make the five-out dribble driving, uh, driving kick offense work. It makes sense now. I can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Start your bracket with a bang. Right now, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers a $150 instant bonus guaranteed. That's right. You'll get $150 in bonus site credit, and all you have to do is place your first bet of $5 or more. How you bet the bracket is up to you. You could choose from the money line, totals, prop bets, and so much more. I'm going to be all over Arizona. I'm from Tucson. They have NBA size and athleticism. I think their defense is going to carry them. Plus, with the cash out, the ball's in your court, so you can close out your bet whenever you want before the game is even over. Join FanDuel today with promo code JasonT. Then you can place your $5 bet to score $150 in bonus site credit guaranteed. That's promo code JasonT on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, Permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. 
See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within, by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, Promo code HOOPS, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code HOOPS. All right, I wanted to move on to the Brooklyn Nets for a little bit, who have been one of the most impressive teams in the league as of late. They are 6-1 in their last seven games. KD dropped 37-9-8 tonight. 
in his last seven games, he's averaging 30, seven rebounds, eight assists on, this is insane, 56% shooting from the field, 43% from three, and 92% from the free throw line. It continues to be completely mind-boggling to me that Kevin Durant can be away from NBA basketball for extended stretches, whether it was his Achilles injury that kept him out for a couple of years or this most recent knee injury that kept him out for a much shorter period of time. He just doesn't miss a beat. This guy is the most natural, like he's the most natural hooper that I can remember watching in this league. He just is comfortable all the time on a basketball court and it's leading to wins now, but it's, it goes beyond KD. So in the last seven games, Seth Curry is averaging 15 points on 55% from the field, 50% from three, and 100% from the free throw line. And Kyrie Irving, who's only managed to play in three games because of his uh, uh, vaccination status, is averaging 44 points, four rebounds, and five assists on 64% from the field, 63% from three, and 86% from the line. So what do you get when you have three offensive players like this that are playing out of their minds on the offensive end of the floor. Well, you get a team that in their last seven games is averaging 127 points per 100 possessions. They are far and away the best offense in the league over this stretch. And they're actually defending a little bit in the seven game stretch. They are 11th in defense. So they are the, the, they are a great example of this thing that I'm trying to lay out with the Lakers. The Lakers floundered all season with injuries, but they built all these bad habits around the way. Well, the Brooklyn Nets floundered all season with injuries and bad habits, but they kicked out some bad guys like James Harden, right? They kicked out some guys that didn't that weren't a good fit with their culture. They brought in some new guys, and now they're just bought it. They're now they're just trying to fix and rectify all of the issues that they built over the course of the early parts of the season, and it's working. And that's what the Lakers have to see. I mentioned in the show uh, uh, the other night that the Lakers needed to view this next stretch of games like a training camp. Well, that's what Brooklyn is doing. Brooklyn is approaching this as a training camp. They don't care where they are in the standings. They don't care about anything that happened earlier in the season. They're just trying to become a good basketball team right now. And the Lakers had that same opportunity, and the Nets have provided a great model for them. The team the Nets beat tonight, the Utah Jazz, they were 15-5 and in their previous 20 games before tonight. They, uh, uh, They have the fifth best record in the league. So you would think, with everything that I just said, that this team should be someone that we consider a bona fide contender and a team that that we should be taking very seriously. I continue to think they're total frauds. I don't trust their defense at all. Anytime they play a real offensive team that can spread them out, their lack of perimeter defense becomes lethal to them. I I just I I've, I've been trying to think of what I would need to see from the Utah Jazz to take them seriously. And honestly, I can't think of anything. They just simply don't have the defensive personnel to hang with the best offensive teams in the league. The Brooklyn Nets lit them on fire tonight, and every good offensive team is going to light them on fire, especially when they have time to scheme around all the issues that Rudy Gobert presents as a defensive presence. All right, moving on to the that game between the Timberwolves and the Mavs. So as I laid out in our show the other night. The Timberwolves had won 10 of their last 11 games. They were on a big run. They had beat a ton of good teams during that stretch. But like I laid out, every time they played one of those good teams, the other te- one of the other team's best players sat out. Like they beat the, the Bucks, but they didn't have Giannis. They beat the Lakers, but they didn't have Anthony Davis. It was like that every single time they played a contender over the course of that stretch. Well, 
here was your opportunity. Here was your opportunity to add legitimacy to your recent stretch of basketball. You're playing a Dallas Mavericks team that's just came home from a very long road trip that has been slipping in a lot of areas of the game, which we'll get to in a second. And that's a completely beatable team. It's on the road, but that's a winnable game to add legitimacy to what you're doing. And they couldn't out-execute Luka at the end of the game, which was what I said was their biggest issue. When you're relying on a super young and volatile guard in uh, Anthony Edwards and a slightly older volatile guard in, in D'Angelo Russell, you're going to struggle when you go against the chess masters. And a guy like Luka is a chess master. He, Even though he had a really rough night, Luka looks a little banged up. He struggled uh, the other night as well. He's, he's in a little bit of a slump. He just made all the plays that needed to be played at the end of the game. And there was a weird play right at the end, the Dorian Finney-Smith dagger when they were up 104-103, where Anthony Edwards is like picking up Luka at 40 feet and just gives up a straight-line drive. And the, again, that's youth. That's inexperience. That's not understanding the, the stakes of that possession and understanding that you can't get janky against that smart of a player. He's going to make you pay every time. So a very impressive stretch of basketball from the Wolves. They're a completely respectable basketball team, so I don't want to undercut that by any stretch of the imagination. But, hey, this is the big boys now. If you want to be consistently beating these good teams with all their players, there are some things that they have to sharpen up. Now, with the Mavs, they've had a couple of ugly losses recently. They, they're an interesting case in fatigue as it pertains to defense. So their defense is slipping big time in this last stretch since our last power rankings, which we'll get to in a minute. But what's interesting is I laid out at length how the Mavericks were compensating for a lack of personnel on the defensive end with a really smart scheme and a ton of effort and buy-in from inferior defensive players. Guys like Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie and Luka Doncic were simply trying harder on defense than they ever had. And it was resulting in good defensive results for Dallas. But when you don't have defensive personnel, you have to make up for it with effort. And effort is really difficult to maintain during the dregs of the regular season. And so what you're seeing is the Mavs are entering a lull where the effort is fading. It's hurting them on the defensive end of the ball. I, it's not an issue for them in the long run as they get to the playoffs. It's just this is the kind of thing that's going to happen to a team like this. When you have a ton of defensive personnel and all your guys are good defensive players, effort is less of an issue for them defensively. They're, gonna, they're not going to have as many lulls during the season. That's why that Lakers team from the previous two seasons was so good defensively night in and night out. They just have personnel, so the job is a little bit easier for them so they don't get fatigued as easily. The one other thing you got to look at with Matt, uh, with the Mavs is uh, Luca looks a little banged up. And it, at this time of year, when we get to the end of March, early April, there are little details that start to shape this whole outlook. Like we're going to get to with the power rankings. Like I don't have the Warriors in my power rankings right now because Steph is hurt. And that's how this goes. You're either getting healthy at the right time or you're getting hurt at the right time or the wrong time. And Luca looks a little banged up and some other teams are getting healthy. That's something that they're going to have to keep an eye on really quick note. This wasn't uh, on our list, but really quickly on the, that bulls Raptors game report came out today that Lonzo ball tried running and his knee is not doing well. I talked at length the other day that the only chance that the bulls have to go on a run was if Lonzo ball and Alex Crusoe were healthy because they carry so much of the defensive load. And without both of them, I don't think that they have enough 
defensive like uh, uh, athleticism to cover for their scores so that they can go to work, to cover for Levine and for DeRozan. They got a good win tonight over a good Raptors team, but that Raptors team is on the tail end of a back-to-back, and they've been uh, uh, they've been playing a lot of games lately. I thought that was fatigue-related. One other note with the Bulls, Patrick Williams, just having that other 6'8 athlete on the floor just kind of raises that physical profile of the team, makes them more athletic, which is a big deal because they don't have a ton of size and athleticism in the front court. All right, let's get to the power rankings. Tim's top 10. You'll notice I've dropped out the Warriors, like I said, because of their recent struggles. Um, the, a couple other teams, uh, I dropped out the Denver Nuggets. They took another beat down to the Boston Celtics the other night. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, number 10, Utah Jazz. 15-6 and six since February 2nd. Fifth in offense. Fourth in defense over that span. Fifth in net rating. Donovan Mitchell is attempting 11 threes per game over this stretch, and he's making 41% of them. So why do I have them so low? Because of all the things that I laid out earlier. He, this team doesn't have a playoff translatable attack. In the regular season, you can scheme around, like I'm going to get to this with the Denver Nuggets here shortly when we talk about the Boston Celtics. When you have a a drop coverage big and you have weak perimeter defensive players, you can take your sweet time uh, uh, chasing guys around on defense and funneling them into the paint. You don't have to put in a ton of effort. You can give up drives because Rudy's just waiting down there. He's going to clean everything up for you. But when you get into the postseason and a really smart offensive team can rotate the ball a couple of times – all of a sudden, Rudy's not under the basket anymore. And now Jordan Clarkson's getting beat to the basket for a layup, and there's nobody there helping. That's been the proven downfall of this Utah Jazz team. They've done absolutely nothing to address it. So I can't fairly, in my right mind, put them higher on this list, even though their results in the regular season would suggest that. And my power rankings, I'm always going to factor in the playoff translatability of a team and the Utah Jazz to me are a regular season machine that can't win playoff series. Number nine, the Dallas Mavericks, like I laid out earlier, their defense is slipping in their last six games coming into tonight. They had a 115.5 defensive rating, which is a huge drop off from where they were in their previous stretch of games. A lot of this has to do with them just getting back from a super long road trip, road trips, wear teams out. And then everything, like I just said uh, before, With them on the defensive end of the floor, they have to make up for their lack of personnel with effort. And effort is a a lot harder to maintain over the course of an 82-game season. The Mavs are in a little bit of a dip right now. I'm a little worried about Luka's health, but I still think they are in that second tier of contenders. They have a legitimate puncher's chance to win the title. Number eight, the Philadelphia 76ers. So they actually got a big win tonight without Joel Embiid or James Harden against the Miami Heat. But I don't know what to make of that. How do I factor in the fake version of the Sixers that doesn't even resemble what they're going to look like and apply that to projecting them forward, uh, uh, you know, in the postseason? Great win. Proud of those guys for fighting without their stars. Just hard to really translate anything about that. With James Harden and Joel Embiid, they've been struggling lately. They lost to the Raptors. They lost to the Denver Nuggets. They lost to the Nets all at home in this recent stretch. Their defense is bad coming into tonight in this last stretch of games. They've got a defensive rating of 114.3, which is nowhere near good enough given the personnel they have. 
a lot of that has to do with James Harden and his laziness on the defensive end and Joel Embiid struggling with transition. Teams have figured out that you can run on the Philadelphia 76ers. And when you do, I've laid this out in a lot of film on my Twitter feed lately. When you run on Joel Embiid, he, is, he can be slow. He complains about fouls a lot. He lingers around under the basket on the offensive end of the floor. You can run on Philly, and it makes them beatable. They are not playing anywhere near as well as they should be with the amount of talent they have. So right now I've got them at number eight, even though they're definitely not the eighth most talented team in the league. Number seven, I've got the Toronto Raptors. Recently, they just beat the 76ers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Suns, and the Bulls all on the road. They are, they are, uh, uh, Nick Nurse obviously is a great coach, but the combination of Nick Nurse uh, um, with Masai Ujiri and his talent for finding really athletic young talent has turned this team into a royal pain in the ass to play on a night in, night out basis. They make everything difficult on both ends of the floor. They shoot over the top of you on offense. They go through you on offense. And then on the defensive end of the floor, they've got, they, they'll, they'll pick you up full court. They'll challenge every swing pass. They'll try to front every post up. They're, they overhelp on every single drive. They make you beat them by being extraordinarily fundamentally sound. And if you start to force things against them, it only gets worse. They're a huge pain in the butt. Uh, uh, Scotty Barnes and, uh, and Pascal Siakam in the, uh, coming into tonight in this recent stretch of games were averaging 45 points per game on 50% shooting. They've been doing all this with Fred Van Vliet being pretty banged up and with OGN and Obi out with a, with a broken finger. I don't think this team has any chance to win the title. I would not put them in a tier of contenders, but they're a royal pain in the ass, and the team that knocks them out of the playoffs is going to come out of that banged up and worn out and exhausted. Credit to the Raptors. Number six, the Miami Heat, who lost again tonight to the Philadelphia 76ers without James Harden and Embiid. They just recently lost to the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves and the Phoenix Suns as well. They're beating their bad teams right now. A huge part of it has to do with, with health. Jimmy Butler is basically playing every other game now. I don't know what his deal is. I feel like that dude is just never available to play in games. Not sure what the deal is. Since the last time we did power rankings, which I believe was on March 8th, they are 25th in offense, which was the huge thing that I was laying out to you guys at that point. And the reason why I was pessimistic about this team, when you play that many non-shooters, P.J. Tucker, not a great shooter, team, a guy that teams are going to ignore. Jimmy Butler, not a great shooter, t- guy that teams are going to ignore. Bam Adebayo, everyone tells me he's a good mid-range shooter, but he can't make them, and, and he's shooting terrible percentages there this year, and teams aren't guarding him out there. So it's janking up everything for their offense. That's going to be their downfall in a playoff series. They, they have a, an outside chance of making a run. Obviously, if things go great and Jimmy Butler gets healthy and goes on a great playoff run. But I think this team is going to be knocked out when they can't score against one of the best teams in the league. Number four, the Memphis Grizzlies. Excuse me, I skipped one. Number five, the Milwaukee Bucks. So the, <laughs> I told you in the last rankings that my main concern with the Milwaukee Bucks was that they don't defend like a team that can win a championship. We have all this history, all of this data in NBA history that tells us that if you don't have a top 10 defense, you are going to lose. That's just, unless you have an overwhelming talent advantage with the Bucks definitely don't have. Well, I kept saying, eventually they're going to have to show us something. Eventually they're going to have to put together some stretch of good defensive basketball 
Welp, since her last rankings, they have a defensive rating of 117.4. So they've made negative progress on that front. They're losing to the good teams they play. They lost to the Warriors and the Minnesota Timberwolves, although Giannis didn't play in that game. This season, they are 17-19 and 19 against teams that are 500 or, or, or above. Everything would tell you this is a bona fide championship contender when you look at the roster and the pieces and what we just saw last year. But everything in the results and what's actually happening on the court tells us this is a team that loses in the first or second round. So what's going to happen? I'm not sure. I got them at number five right now. Number four, the Memphis Grizzlies. So they're in a weak part of their schedule right now. They had a, a bad loss in Atlanta the other day, but they're taking care of business everywhere else. This season, they are 14-2 and two without John Morant. So Stan Van Gundy, um, obviously former coach of the Orlando Magic and the New Orleans Pelicans, tweeted out earlier today basically talking about how the Grizzlies pay, play better without Ja. So I dug into that a little bit. They defend better without Jaw, which makes sense because Jaw is a, not a great defensive player and they have a ton of length and athleticism. So if you can substitute a good defensive player in where Jaw was, obviously they're going to guard well. But that the 14-2 is a little misleading. They've played almost no good teams during that stretch. They're, they're just a good basketball team, just like the Philadelphia 76ers are. So when stars sit out, they just continue to play good basketball and they can overwhelm limited teams but make no mistake Ja Morant is like I talked about earlier with the Lakers in there you have to have that first guy who can compromise the defense Desmond Bain is a good player but he is a slasher not a scorer meaning he can attack closeouts but he's not a guy who's going to isolate and break you down off the dribble Jaron Jackson Jr. is great attacking mismatches and he can attack guys off the dribble and he can get to the paint but he's very reckless he's got tunnel vision he doesn't see help very well so that's a little bit of fool's gold because when they get into a playoff series and they play a good defensive team that scouts them really well, they're going to take away all those easy opportunities for Jaron Jackson Jr. So what they need is for John Morant to be able to make that first attack of the defense, that initial breakdown. That's why John Morant is indispensable, and that's why I'm not trying to hear anything about how this team is better without him. Moving on to number three, the Brooklyn Nets. Laid this out earlier, 6-1 and one in their last seven. Best offense in the league. They are the pinnacle of modern basketball. They don't play a ton of front court guys. It's all five out. They, they, they'll do a little bit of Andre Drummond in the dunker spot, a little bit of Bruce Brown in the dunker spot. But for the most part, when this team is at their best, it's just Kevin Durant, Seth Curry, and Kyrie Irving just being unbelievably talented offensive players playing off of each other. They are a well-oiled machine, and they're getting enough stops. In their last seven games, like I said, they are 11th in defense. That is more than good enough to go on a run when you have their type of offensive talent. Like I talked about before with the Bucks, you can have a little bit of a weaker defense if you have an overwhelming offensive talent advantage. And when you're staring down Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in a series, they're just way better than you offensively, and they can get away with it. I'm nervous about the Ben Simmons thing. This thing with his herniated disc in his back is deeply concerning. I would bank on him not playing this year, and it might actually be the best decision for them because Ben Simmons, especially with spine stuff, Ben Simmons is an awesome player to plug in in training camp next year to make a really strong run at things next season. So you don't want to bring him back to further exacerbate a spine issue just for the sake of this season. They have enough talent to do it. I'd like their chances more if Ben Simmons was here, 
but it looks like he's not going to be. This is what it looks like they're going to have. They have some details they got to figure out. You can't play Bruce Brown and Andre Drummond at the same time. They have spacing issues with that. Little details that they got to iron out, but they are trending massively in the right direction, and they are definitely a top-tier contender for me. Number two, the Phoenix Suns. They're also in an easier part of their schedule, but they're dominating without Chris Paul, so I can't continue to undercut that. They're 7-1 and one since the last time we did power rankings. Over that span, Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton are both averaging 19 points per game on over 50% shooting. Like I said, those two guys are the future of this franchise. They are really good players that are overqualified for the roles that they're in. You're starting to see a little bit more of what they're capable of with, with Chris Paul out. This is the most talented team in the league from top to bottom. They are my championship favorite right now. They are at number two. Number one, the Boston Celtics. The reason why I have them at number one in my power rankings is as of late, they continue to be playing the best basketball. I definitely think they're a top-tier contender. I just don't think they're quite as talented as the Phoenix Suns. Since the last time we did these rankings, which was when I laid out just how great the Celtics have been in recent stretches, just since then to today, they have the best net rating in the league. They have the best defense in the league. They're sixth in offense, just in that span. So they've only continued to play better. I mentioned earlier that Jason Tatum wasn't even shooting well, and they were winning games. Jalen Brown wasn't even shooting well, and they were winning games. Well, since our last rankings, Jason Tatum's shooting 48% from three. So there you go. Now Jason Tatum is making shots. Wait till Jalen Brown does. It's going to get even nastier. I was really impressed with the way they utterly demolished the Denver Nuggets in Denver the other night. This is a great example of what I was talking about with drop coverage with bigs. Nikola Jokic has turned himself into a good drop coverage big in the NBA, which has made him a positive defender in the regular season. But it's only, it only works because on the vast majority of nights, you're not playing a player the caliber of Jason Tatum that can consistently make you pay for running a drop coverage. Well, Jason Tatum lit them on fire in the first half the other night. Nikola Jokic was utterly victimized. If you go to my Twitter page and you scroll down, I did a video breakdown of this this morning, laying, down, laying out specifically what I was talking about. The really interesting element of it, one of the reasons why coaches love running drop coverage with guards is guards are really good at evading screens and getting over the top, and they can apply back pressure, which allows your big to sit lower. But because Jason Tatum is 6'8", they had to guard him with Eric Gordon, or excuse me, with Aaron Gordon. And one of the things that we know about basketball is that bigger players are much easier to screen. They struggle getting around screens. Well, Aaron Gordon was getting caught on screens all night long, and it was Nikola Jokic camping at 15 feet and Jason Tatum shooting practice jump shots over the top. They absolutely demolished Denver Nuggets. It was a super impressive win. I don't think they have enough offense to be my favorite, but they're absolutely in my top tier of contenders, and they are number one in Timp's top 10 for the second edition in a row. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. We will be back Wednesday. I believe the Lakers played the Philadelphia 76ers on that night. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support, and we will see you in a couple of days. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, 
That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 